Hello, everybody. I'm Robert Douglas, and this is Deploy Friday. It's time to finish coding, send that stuff off to the cloud. It's the best day to deploy your application, better than every other day of the week. Um, and we're going to talk about headless e-commerce. I have two incredible guests with me today, uh, Anastasia Shvilak. Oh, Good job. <laughs> and Ryan Schrama. And if anybody out there thinks they can do better with either of these two last names, I invite you to come on the show and you can just practice saying them yourselves. <laughs> so I'm gonna give each of my guests a chance to introduce themselves and set the record straight on how you pronounce or don't pronounce their last name. And also kind of where you're from in terms of uh, your company and where you're located even, it's interesting. And then we'll talk about headless e-commerce. Anastasia, go ahead. Who are you? Uh <laughs> Thank you, Robert. And my surname is pronounced Spilak, so you did pretty good. And um, I'm a product marketing manager at Strapi. Strapi is an open source, headless, Node.js-based CMS. And um, I'm based in Paris, but originally I am from Ukraine. That's the complicated surname. Uh, great. <laughs> yes. OK, thank you, Anastasia. And Ryan, what's your excuse? Uh, well, I just kind of had nothing better to do with my time, so I thought I'd start an open source commerce project. <laughs> And what's that um, called? Ryan Zarama, uh, the creator of Drupal Commerce. Before that, Ubercart. These are the kind of dominant um, e-commerce plugins for the Drupal open source content management system. And we, we really turn the, basically like natively extend the data model of Drupal so that all of the things it does for content management, like extensible data structures, views, database querying, um, the whole nine yards, workflow, content moderation, all that applies equally to your commerce data. And so you basically can run Drupal Commerce full stack, um, meaning just a traditional CMS implementation with the, the modules turned on and themed, or what we've been doing more and more for our clients is run it headless. So you basically have a custom backend and then either bring your own front end team or hire a front end team to build the reactor view or whatever application in front of it. So in a sense, really similar to Strapi, but based on PHP instead of JavaScript. Right. Although if you have been p paying attention to Pierre's, uh, the CEO's uh, of Strapi's feed, you will have read that on April 1st, they actually rewrote Strapi in PHP. I took note. Yeah. Uh, that was Ryan, what, what's your company's name, Ryan? Yep. Company is Centauro. Uh, we're a distributed team. Um, I'm kind of where the headquarters is, is where I am. I'm outside of Greenville, South Carolina, uh, gazing out at the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains all day, wishing I was hiking instead of sitting at my desk. <laughs> but the company has spread from um, Salt Lake City, Utah, to Tel Aviv, Israel, and everywhere in between, and a bit down south to Brazil. And, you know, just a diverse group of folks who have been working in Drupal for the last 10 to 15 years and love hacking on e-commerce projects. Awesome. And I, I forgot to put uh, the banner up for strappy.io in case anybody out there wants to go visit that. And also to the to the audience who's watching live, thank you for being here. And the questions uh, that you have for these two um, around the topic that we're discussing, you can put those into whatever chat that you're using, if it's YouTube or if it's Facebook or if it's Twitter, just use the chat there and we'll see your questions and bring them up in real time. All right. So let's set the stage here. 
uh, it's an interesting show because we're talking about headless e-commerce, but I've got people from two what are essentially CMS systems, which is uh, I was a deliberate uh, decision to approach this topic. But the two systems are in fact divergent in their history. Uh, and Ryan, you alluded to that a bit uh, that uh, Drupal commerce uh, is either full stack or headless. And that, that comes from the fact that Drupal primarily is a full stack application, meaning it's responsible for both the content management and in this case, the e-commerce management, but also the presentation layer it generates the HTML that flies out to uh, the browser. And it's kind of an evolution of Drupal that they've done pretty gracefully to move into the world of headless where you can uh, have the e-commerce and the uh, uh, content management happen in a backend system that customers don't actually access. Mm -hmm. But then the presentation layer uh, happen in like Vue or, or React.js and be pushed out separately. So I, I, I wanted to just set that grand stage for everybody listening because that really frames our conversation so we're going to ask some questions like, uh, why headless? Uh, and it's interesting. I'd like actually, Ryan, you to take a stab at that first and then move to Anastasia because that's historically also accurate, right? Like Drupal made the decision to do that kind of reactively to where the market's going, but Strappy came out of the gates as a pure headless player. So um, mm -hmm. why headless, Ryan? Okay. So I, I'm going to speak directly to our experience and then acknowledge a rationale that hasn't necessarily been our deciding factor, but it, but it's commonly you know brought up. So first of all, our direct experience, when we started taking customers headless um, was, was when they needed to do so for reasons of scale. So when you're dealing with a full stack PHP application, especially pre-Symphony, Drupal 7 and 6 and whatnot, um, you, you can only get so far full stack especially when you start talking about authenticated users logging into Drupal, bypassing a lot of the caching mechanisms that Drupal 7 and previous had. Um, you, you just would, you, you couldn't support the scale that our most demanding customers needed. And our, our classic case study is a company called MattSmart, uh, who also you know operates on platform.sh uh, dedicated as of two months ago. Woo. Um, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Um, they they um they just were doing great they like they started on drupal full stack because they had a drupal developer as one of the founders of the company and year over year their growth was tremendous up to tens of millions of dollars a year thousands of orders an hour and when drupal commerce this is on drupal 7 at the time could no longer keep up they they approached us and said help us audit this application and help us figure out how to get more juice out of it and we realized there, there's just a handful of common places in Drupal that really start to bog down. Talking about the forms API, which stuffs anything and everything in the form cache. So you have this database table that bloats to gigabytes and gigabytes of, of just useless form data from all of the forms that it's rendering on the site, whether that data is needed or not. All right, so you get some, some database bloat, but then you also just have slow, um, slow rendering when you start to use Drupal's views module, which is the primary module that lets you query the database and then render the query results however you want to. Um, and so we, we had to get Drupal out of the way with respect to forms, content listings, and you know order listings, things like that. And so we started progressively decoupling. Um, and so it really was about scalability, about performance, about concurrent users. And eventually we went fully headless with them once we had matured their backend APIs to the point 
that they literally could just swap out and Drupal on the front end for React. And now they have just a full React application on the front end. Um, they now use that same front end for multiple territories, you know, expanding into new countries, um, even completely different branded sites with one common backend engine powering it all. So, so Headless was about scale. It was a little bit about internationalization and expansion. Um, but then also, of course, customer experience matters. And it's just a lot easier if you start with an, you know, start with React full bore from the get go and let that provide the front end customer experience. You can just do more. It's nicer, it's faster, it's more responsive. Um, it's, it's more modern feeling than the old Drupal Ajax throbber, <laughs> sitting there telling you something's about to happen and eventually it does. And, and a good example of that um, here recently was working with one of the largest research universities, perhaps in the Atlanta area, um, to improve their donation portal. They, they just wanted a more modern customer experience. And so decoupling for them was about achieving that customer experience as much as it was about achieving any sort of scalability or performance concerns. Great, thank you. Awesome answer. And Anastasia, then let's move to Strapi and, and talk about the philo philosophy there behind Strapi as a headless CMS, uh, and then maybe bring that relevant to the this the e-commerce experience. Yeah, of course. So as you have already mentioned, Strapi was founded a bit later in 2016. And initially it was created and designed and developed as a headless CMS. It's never been a monolithic architecture, but headless from the beginning. And um, the founders, as they are developers by themselves, they really wanted to give other developers this great experience of being able to integrate their own tools, being able to choose their own stack and uh, have, give them real freedom on what they want to do with front end. And as a marketer, I want to also have this bit of a marketing perspective of why um, headless e-commerce becoming is so popular. Well, first of all, um, the way people buy online is changing and thanks to COVID especially, more and more purchases are happening online and customers are becoming more and more demanding. And there is some data by uh, some research universities who say that 40% of shoppers, for example, will abandon a website that takes longer than three seconds to load. So this is relevant to performance and quite often websites with monolithic uh, e-commerce architecture, they may get slow. Um, mm -hmm. Also, a lot of people want a personalized shopping experience, which sometimes can be quite limited with traditional um, systems, which is why uh, people implement headless e-commerce to be able to deliver literally anything on the front end. Uh, one more reason is the way that more and more people are buying online or are using voice assistants or Internet of Things, uh, smart cars, smart fridges. Maybe they are in the future, but mobile is uh, already here and uh, customers and companies just want to deliver omnichannel experiences, which is why headless is much more practical because you have one source of content and through API, you can deliver it to as many frontends as you wish and you can develop um, all kinds of new applications, which is also future-proof because if a new technology emerges, it's just, just much easier to create a new front-end and deliver content to a new store. Uh, in Strapi, we have an interesting use case. A customer was delivering content to an ATM machine, uh, <laughs> which I find quite, um, quite interesting. It, it says a lot about uh, the world that's evolving and people just want to I give this efficiency to marketing team and content editors. Um, so, so what was the ATM machine reading? <laughs> the daily well, news? 
yeah. <laughs> financial times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so you know, was, was 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 Strappy on the ATM? Like like was it actually running on a computer in the ATM, or was it just like Strappy's on the cloud and then they're just consuming it from the ATM? I, I don't uh, actually know your model there. Yeah. Uh, it's just serving the data and the contents okay. to the ATM. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought up the model there, Ryan, because uh, I want to probe in on Strapi a little bit uh, more because I am less familiar with it as a system than I am Drupal Commerce, having that as my primary background. Uh, so Anastasia, as I understand it, um, Strapi is focused on content management in general. You can make your own content types. You can expose APIs for querying, querying that, uh, set up rules, access control. Um, what are the actual tools that are provided by Strapi that make it geared towards e-commerce? What are the things that you get out of the box? Sure. Uh, well, you can set up your content architecture as you want. Uh, it's um, completely up to a person who is creating an app how to how to build it and how to design it and how to integrate it with other tools. So Strapi can be used as a one CMS for an e-commerce project or connected to another e-commerce platform like headless Shopify or um, more modern uh, e-commerce tools. Um, for if the, there's, this is the first um, use case when Strapi is used as the main e-commerce CMS, you can build out uh, the whole functionality and deliver the product content, uh, deliver uh, the blog, the marketing uh, content on your platform. You can integrate it with some payment services um, and this way your um, e-commerce platform will function and most of small e-shops, uh, they actually use this model. Um, if you want to integrate it with other tools, uh, you can as well serve a part of content from Strapi and serve um, another part of content, for example, information about stock, about products, um, about different uh, codes of the items from another e-commerce platform. While Strapi can be responsible for the blog, the landing pages, and uh, the other marketing-oriented assets. It also can be integrated with um, payment tools like Snipcard or Stripe, etc. Okay, so if I understand correctly, you see Strapi's role is primarily to um, curate the marketing content, the graphical assets, the, the textual descriptions around a product. Did we lose Ron? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we can keep it going because I actually had that 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 same question. So there's there's a sense in which you could have okay. a Drupal commerce. Oh, sorry, we 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 you glitched and so we just kept going. But uh, everybody there, was on for me. <laughs> Get back. Uh, there's a sense in which you could have Strappy running side by side even with a Drupal commerce powered API. I mean, like like you could theoretically have one React app consuming content from Strapi and e-commerce data from Drupal Commerce even. Is that what I'm understanding? Like how you go side by side with other platforms? Um, I believe it is possible. I haven't heard of such use case in particular, but I am uh, I know that there are a lot of cases when it's running with Shopify, for example. Okay, yeah. Shopify but it would still be a separate front end. Like it would be a React front end with Shopify in the background and Strapi in the background and then, all right. Yeah. And Ryan, to then come back to the the, the Centaro Drupal Commerce model a little bit more, um, how how much work is involved if you want to have 
Drupal Commerce Power a complete experience for a customer, including the checkout and everything, all in the React layer or Vue layer. Mm. Yeah. Um, you can do one of two things right now. Um, so, so again, just to just to recap, like like Drupal obviously is your content management system. Um, so all of your content, taxonomy, internationalization, content moderation, files, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it has a REST API module out of, in, in, out of the box, JSON API based, you know, so you can just consume any of your content and Drupal Commerce then adds your orders, order items, products, product variations, the whole nine yards, also international, also multi-currency, translatable, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have your application at the front end that's basically doing user authentication from the Drupal resource, um, maybe hitting a search um, a search resource that queries the product catalog uh, to, to show some facet of the product catalog. We then render a product page with all the variations and the attribute selectors. And, you know, we, we facilitate, you know, some of the sort of on-page automatic updates of fields, prices, whatever, as different variations are being selected. But then once you get to checkout, that's the big question. Easy enough to query the, the cart resource and say, give me the cart, give me the order items, and then render that in the browser. But what do you do for checkout when the, the Drupal like checkout form configuration is kind of built around the Drupal Forms API? And, and there is no just like magic flip a switch and have a React app consume a form API array and render me a form that looks like that. And so, so I'd say that you have one of two options today. We have, we have one customer that basically has an instance of Drupal Commerce behind multiple different front end sites for different brands in their in their portfolio, if you will. They're a Fortune 50 company for different brands and different markets. They'll just embed these Drupal Commerce widgets or Centauro Commerce widgets, we called it, um, in their front end sites. And when you get to checkout, we actually just have them embed the full stack checkout form in an iframe. And they just have the option to recall or skin it, whatever. That was the simplest way for them to just have checkout appear in headless fashion, but it is just full stack Drupal. Um, so in, in a sense, it's kind of like building for them a private Shopify where they can, can have all of these different brands that use JavaScript to embed the widgets they want to for the different brands and different markets. But when it comes time to check out, you're just going in a sense to a standardized checkout form, much like Shopify will kick you out to, you know, checkout.shop, you know, whatever, I, I don't know the precise URL, but beardbrand.checkout.shopify.com or whatever it is. Um, not to plug Beardbrand too hard, but they are an excellent company. I highly recommend it. Um, and, um, and so that's one thing, but, but, but it's still a pretty big lift. You know, we don't, we don't have prefab components, say, for React that would just read that Drupal form config and then prepare a checkout form for you. Um, so like with, with the university project, we just had to build a custom React app to prepare that checkout form. And then the best that we were able to do was to say, okay, well, we can enrich our order resource with the um, API keys and tokens that you need to embed, say, the Braintree drop-in UI. Um, th so this is, this is um, an API that Braintree offers that really simplifies headless checkout because it's just it's just a single javascript widget but you need a transient token you need some token that says yes this is a legitimate instance of my you know my payment gateway account here and so we just we just started adding that to the order resource pre-generating the token so when you get to the order 
you also get the tokens and things that you need to prepare the payment widget if all you needed was payment. But but the more complex checkout gets, obviously, the more custom work you're going to do on the front end. Uh, for example, at the university, they wanted donor profiles. What cause are you giving to? Is it specifically a line item for this? Is it a corporate donation? All of that stuff. They just had to build gift a wrap, gift message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, fun, fun aside, when you buy stuff from Amazon, you should always check this is a gift, even if it's for yourself, and just write yourself a very pleasant message. I love getting stuff from Amazon because it, they always have something flattering to say about me when I open my package. <laughs> so, a little, little self-care. Ryan, Ryan explains how he moves through life as such a happy-looking person. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about beard care and and uh, trace and apple. shampoo. And sh yeah, yeah. I, I literally like. I, I probably have gift receipts laying all over my office. Ryan, keep rocking for the kids. You know. So highly recommended. Uh, anyway, so, so, so I, still a decent lift but i like i'd be curious to know like what does does the strappy ecosystem have something that simplifies that like you mentioned Snipcart, for example um we actually have a great case study where somebody built their drupal commerce 2 powered api and then put Snipcart in front of it and this was back when i think Snipcart was maybe still more open it seems more oriented around proprietary drop-in payment widget now I, I don't know how that's morphed but you know anastasia what, what do y'all do for like Here's a simple way to build a checkout. <laughs> is yeah. Well, uh, what is great about open source solutions is that you can have the access to code and integrate it with basically anything. And that's why um, quite often uh, it's integrated with Stripe or Snipcard, right. or it can work with any other uh, solutions. Um, but um, from what I've experienced from our case studies, uh, Stripe is one of the most popular ones. And you can also find um, starters on our website, which allow you to have ready-made content architecture and the front end uh, with uh, Next and Next, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it's uh, a good start for an e-commerce project. Yeah. And as a marketer in this field, um, how, how often do you get people asking uh, about Jamstack, is that is is that a word that comes in through the front door quite often, and you have to talk about it, or do you market towards that? And and if so, how? Uh, in the developer world, of course, it is. Uh, it is a big deal. In the more of a marketer, marketer or content editor world, I think it is less important. Uh, basically, for marketing folks, uh, the most important thing is the result. They don't really care what tech stack exactly is used, what kind of excellent architecture is built, as long as it brings good results, good performance, good KPIs and good revenue, it is great. So basically um, the, the CDOs and the developer teams are making all the decisions about the stack. And uh, when we market towards this audience, of course, we talk a lot about the Jamstack ecosystem. And sometimes I even hear uh, the Jamstack uh, architecture e-commerce. So this is going even further than uh, headless uh, e-commerce in the way that all the things are separate and very modular. But uh, I believe a technical person would have uh, more insights on mm -hmm. this point. But uh, sure. indeed, when I just started to work in a tech uh, industry, I thought Jamstack had something to do with cooking. Um, but uh, nice. yes, it, it is quite a big deal <laughs> right now. And yeah, everybody loves the static sites and integrations with static site generators. Great. And 
Uh, you've mentioned case studies a couple times. Uh, do you want to talk through uh, any of the case studies that you have um, published or unpublished that um, you know highlight the way that people are actually using Strapi and e-commerce in the field? Yeah, sure. One of our actually it was quite an early customer is Mug and Snug, uh, who have uh, developed an e-commerce site using Strapi, and uh, I believe they only used. Uh, Stripe as a CMS and no other e-commerce platform. So if you want to see the case study uh, for our viewers, it's on um, stripeio slash user stories. Uh, so in their tech stack, just a second, uh, they have used, if I'm not mistaken, about the tech stack um, for the I'll platform. The yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, so the project is they wanted to build a small e-commerce store that would uh, let people sell their own design objects and creations. And they have used Stripey as a CMS and Nuxt.js for front-end and uh, used Netlify CDN. Uh, and they were extremely excited by the level of flexibility that it gives to them uh, in a way that they can they could spin up their own architecture and then develop their own creative front end. And it was much faster than using a monolithic architecture. And for payment, um, I think they integrated Stripe, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So they also love the freedom of being able to choose their own tools and also the freedom to self-host because there are a lot of great CMSs, uh, headless CMSs out there which are already hosted and you have basically no control over where your data is stored. But with Strapi, um, you can choose uh, where to deploy your data. Yeah, Platform Sage, we have a great partnership, for example. Uh, so this is something they appreciated a lot. Great. So actually, Netlify CMS, so they are full Jamstack. I mean, Netlify created the term Jamstack. So if they're deploying yeah. an entire e-commerce experience using Strapi, only Strapi, Netlify, and Stripe, that's uh, that's pretty spectacular. Probably loads really fast, too, I'd imagine. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Which is nice. It goes back to your point about uh, uh, the speed of rendering and loading being critical to e-commerce expectations. Mm -hmm. But I imagine that uh, the actual e-commerce experience must be fairly simple in that case, um, just based on some of the limitations that Ryan mentioned. So, I mean, it's it's just like, you see this thing on the page, let's buy it, boom, right? Like that's yeah. that's kind of like the, the baseline experience. Um, do, can you tell uh, us any more about how Strapi is used with the Shopify experience and how the two of those work together because you mentioned that. And I, I also saw a video when I was looking around uh, about um, that. So I know it's a thing. I know people are doing it. What what are your cases on that? And is there anything yeah. bad you can say about Shopify? Feel free. It's good. <laughs> Ryan will send you beard care products if you say bad things about Shopify. <laughs> can I buy it in the online store? <laughs> that you built? <laughs> Uh, yeah, sure. Um, if anyone is interested on how Strapi works with Shopify, basically a step-by-step -step instruction, there is a video on our YouTube where our uh, one of the founders, Jim, he explains uh, how to connect it. And indeed, using webhooks, all the, uh, the two platforms can be interconnected. So this way you can get all the data, which is in your e-commerce platform, which is Shopify, um, can be at the same time connected to Strapi and through the API level layer, 
everything is delivered to a front end of your choice. Uh, that's as uh, technical as I can get um, since I'm not, I'm not a dev, but um, sure. uh, the benefits of, of this um, having, having two separate CMSs is that indeed uh, e-commerce uh, CMSs, they were built for this purpose. And sometimes it may be more convenient to have all the um, order data, customer data and stock data in this platform and manage all the marketing related content in a CMS like Strapi. But it doesn't mean that you cannot have everything in a regular CMS like Strapi or Drupal or any other headless CMS. So if I understand the use case that you just gave, if I were a customer thinking through this, then what I would be looking for is a mobile first experience, React, you know, with also with a fast website if they're on desktop. And I want a really content rich experience more than Shopify can offer me with their plugins or maybe their CMS plugins are so expensive, I'm not interested. Um, and, but I really like the simplicity of Shopify's e-commerce you know infrastructure yeah. which has to be said it you know it works it's very straightforward so i want i i combine the two to enhance shopify's content presentation layer with strappy's content but I shopify yeah you want to go on record saying that very loudly <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> Shopify's presentation layer. What was the word you used? <laughs> Am I allowed to say sucks on this live? Is this a G or PG? I can't. Uh, it's just well, not a, you know, it's just, it's, it as we depends know, on how many Shopify people are watching right now. Yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah, we, that's we, why yeah. the point is to use the headless <laughs> Shopify to, to avoid the presentation layer, exactly. but use uh, the application layer. And, um, and what's also quite important for e-commerce clients is to be able to test and deliver new pages really quickly. And it can be a challenge with the traditional monolithic solutions because let's say there is a sale coming up and you need to roll out a new page, a new campaign, handle a big spike of traffic as well, which is a catastrophe if a site crashes you lose a lot of uh, visitors and a lot of um, orders being done so um, that's why e-commerce clients they do have a lot of requirements on performance specifically and the example i can give is not really an e-commerce client it's a media and they host almost a million articles on a strapy website so far it uh, it works well uh, the performance but we at first, at the time, we were not even aware that it was possible to host uh, this big amount of data and strategy. <laughs> yeah. Nice, good case. Yeah. So I have a, I have a question. Do, Ryan, did you want to add something before I move on? Well, I, I was just going to say. So, what's great about Shopify is that they just put out a three-part blog series that helps you, the developer, learn how to get around their arbitrary and regressive API rate limits. Um, so uh -huh. Strapi may not be the problem, but you know, you may have to strategize how to get around it, the API rate limiting that Shopify gives you by default. And, and to, I mean, th these are really nice articles, really nice articles about how to overcome the shortcomings in Shopify's API. It's great. We'll, 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 we'll do a whole nother series, Ryan, with you and some of the Shopify people and you can check it out. I'll, I'll just, I'll just bring popcorn. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Good thing really remote. <laughs> Good thing it's remote. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, we, we all know they'd eat, they'd eat my lunch too for, for Drupal's own shortcomings. So. <laughs> Software is nothing but a, a collection of compromises. 
Exactly. So I have a question though, because um, my observation is that uh, we've now we're now several years into the headless gold rush. Okay, uh, it's been quite a while since it was predicted, and the early adopters have started, and now the market's actually starting to solidify and mature a little bit. And what I've observed, and I want your both of your observations on this is that in the headless world what we're actually seeing is a bunch of people organizations companies development groups saying thank god we don't have to do any more of that back end stuff and it's all going to hosted SaaS solutions i i talked to dozens of new headless cms and headless e-commerce companies every year and I really mean dozens there that are just coming out of the woodwork and there's venture capital money for all of them. And they're all SaaS, okay? It's all SaaS. There's, Strappy is really an outlier and uh, Centauro is old guard, okay? Is, am I crazy? Am I missing it? Or is, are, are people just dropping back end altogether? Well, you know, people like easy solutions. <laughs> Yeah. Um, SaaS uh, platforms are popular because you don't need to think about where am I going to host it. It's just ready-made. You just register and you have the access to it and you pay for the hosting. It has its own limitation though, especially for companies that care about their data privacy and they uh, usually decide to self-host and we have a lot of uh, big customers like this, especially from finance who want a self-hosted solution. And, healthcare yeah, as well. Yeah. Healthcare as well. Yeah, government uh, organization, especially, it is important for them, uh, and also it's more control over the coast. Um, so it gives you more control overall. And uh, speaking about backend, and it is true that for front end developers, um, quite often they use headless CMSs as an API framework. And at first, just first first creation of Strapi, it wasn't really a CMS rather than a framework. But then we uh, redirected ourselves towards the CMS um, direction. Um, indeed, you can just use a user-friendly admin panel, uh, create your content architecture, and you will have APIs out of the box, which you can access in the files, uh, customize them direct directly in the files. And it gives a lot of freedom. It uh, speeds the development for, for the developers. Um, so that's how the backend is being done from from my <laughs> technical understanding. Ryan, maybe you will add something more. No, I, you actually hit on one of our keywords. Um, well, okay, so I'll say this. Um, if, if I could offer the things that make Drupal Commerce unique as software as a service, I would. But it's, it's not often possible because the things that make us unique, Drupal unique in general, are having full and total control of your entire data model, your data architecture, being able to customize the resources that are actually exposed through your API. Um, you know, and, and that that cannot be easily sassified. In fact, Drupal companies have tried and, and deadpooled. You know, they're sort of turnkey site builders and other things like that. Um, so there's, there's much to be said for the simplicity, certainly for the scalability. And if you're a venture capital fund, I mean, the the, the the revenue and, and and value potential behind the SaaS platform. Um, but, and this is where the, the, the other shoe drops is like, but, you know, we, we believe at Centauro in a future where anyone who wants to sell online can compete without compromising their ambitions, software freedoms, or consumer privacy rights. 
And most SaaS platforms in the world are forcing you to compromise on all three. Um, we might remember the, um, the big split between MailChimp and Shopify. You can argue which camp was the aggressor, which one is in the right there, but essentially MailChimp was booted from the Shopify app store for their official app because they, they were refusing to hand over all of their merchants data to Shopify. In other words, like mailing list information, segmentation data that they've collected through other channels, Shopify was saying, if you want to be a part of our ecosystem at all, then you have to give us everything. <laughs> and, and because they refused to play, they got the boot and now the, the merchants suffer and they all moved on to Clavio or other things. The other people who are willing to go along with the compromising. Um, but it, but, it's, but it's, it's deeper than just privacy because it's also, you know, what about your ambitions? your growth ambitions. So again, my friend, um, Eric Banholtz that runs Beard Brand, not a customer, I just I just like him, he's from the area. I met him in a Starbucks. I talked to anything that breathes, anything with a pulse, I'll introduce myself to him. <laughs> and um, so, so we, like he was trying to expand to Europe. Well, his only option with Shopify was to open up a whole separate Shopify store. So he had one Shopify account for the US, one Shopify for the UK. And if you wanted to go to more markets, tough. Right, with Drupal, not a problem. You own the backend. You can just add an additional domain. You can translate it if you need to. You can convert the currency if you need to. Like, you you have more ability to kind of bring your ambition to life. Um, and and a, and a great like to to talk go back to to Rob. You sort of framing was like the frothy waters of SaaS headless commerce investments. Does anybody remember Reaction Commerce? Is that familiar? Reaction Commerce. Okay. Big splash, big investment, React Native e-commerce backend, headless, blah, blah, blah. I, I remember when they first went, I was like, man, we do this stuff. And I looked at their documentation. You couldn't do multi-currency. I'm like, well, who in the world launches an e-commerce platform today that can't do multi-currency? And maybe they've fixed that since then, but you know where Reaction Commerce is today? Well, MailChimp bought them because they failed. Like, like that's what happens, right? Like, like you, you get the frothy waters, but a lot of investments, like you said, Rob, and the ones that aren't gonna make it, they've already failed out and been bought up by people who needed some kind of e-commerce play. That's not the first e-commerce platform that MailChimp has bought. You know, MailChimp is trying to be an all-in-one marketing solution. Well, so they, they, they've got to buy up an e-commerce platform if they can't rock a partnership that's good for them. Um, and so so the, the problem here inherent in the SaaS model is it's, it's less performant in terms of like functionality um, and you, you're tied to the vendor's roadmap. And guess what? If you went long on reaction commerce when they first launched and then you saw them get bought up by, by MailChimp, well, suddenly you're gonna have to re, like, rethink your strategy around MailChimp's roadmap or undergo a costly platform migration. Um, even in the Drupal space, you saw this, um, you know, just partnerships like this are tough, right? Like. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very friendly with Acquia, with a lot of people at Acquia. Um, obviously, they're huge Drupal sponsors, and they, they had, a, like, kind of a, a close integration with Magento for some time. And that was their e-commerce strategy, was you pair up your Drupal with your Magento. You have Drupal 8 as a front end, Magento as the back end, doing some headless things, and then maybe redirecting to checkout on the Magento um, stack. Well, lo and behold, Magento gets bought up by one of... Acquia's biggest, most hostile competitors. What's gonna happen to everyone that Acquia sold on put your Magento beside your Drupal? Well, Adobe's gonna say, well, you don't actually need a Drupal, you can just use an Adobe Experience Manager. And it's like, it's just, it's just, it's tough. Like, like we don't want people to be forced to have to acquiesce to those kinds of market movements with open source, you actually can own it. 
but you still have the cost, right? Like, like SaaS simplifies the cost of ownership because it just boils it down to a monthly fee, maybe with some sort of rate limitation, you know, or, or like price points, or maybe with, you know, a lot of models, a percentage transaction fee. So it, it, it simplifies some of that, but I think there's long-term hidden costs that just don't get discussed as much. Um, and then, then finally, and I'll, I'll yield the mic. Sorry for talking for like five minutes straight here. Um, like, I, I think that, again, if, if I could satisfy what makes Drupal Commerce unique, I, I could retire next year because like the use cases that we serve, that, that my company directly serves are just hard. And, and there is no SaaS platform that can just do it, right? I'm talking about, you know, somebody that wants to do B2C plus B2B in one platform with a loyalty program that offers some separate pricing tiers. And oh yeah, it looks one way in Germany and a different way in Sweden. And we transact in at least 10 different currencies and we need to be able to support consumer financing in the US, but not in, like, like it's, once you start to intersect these multi, multis, I guess, like, like I, this is kind of how I, how I talk to folks about it. It's like, well, you, you might be able to find a multi-currency SaaS platform. Cool. Can you find a multi-customer flow platform that does multi-currency and B2B plus B2C all in one? Ah, maybe so. Uh, Big Commerce says they can. I, I've looked into it. I, I think that their prices functionality is pretty rudimentary. I don't think it's going to get you where you want to go, but, but maybe you can. Okay, multilingual content management along with that. Like you, you start to pair up all these, you know, multi-domain, multi, like like eventually you come to a point where the only thing that you can do is build your own, but you don't have to build from scratch. And that's that's where like Drupal Commerce then becomes very attractive. It's people that want to either build that private content plus commerce cloud or want to build this this one system that maybe it's it's monolithic in terms of warehousing all of the data and interrelating it, but it still has an API so that all of the different front end consumers aren't monolithic. They can kind of have some agility at the, at the, the front end. Um, anyways, that's, that's what I'm thinking. What we're, what we're trying, what we're, what we're doing, who we're serving. <laughs> what was the question? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, that's fine. So I actually have a question um, for both of you, but I think uh, Anastasia gets first dibs on it. <laughs> so it. we've done, been talking about headless. It's kind of the title of the show, but maybe the headless is the passe part. Maybe that's the like, okay, that's just an implementation detail to serve some, you know, use cases. And uh, maybe it's overall the future, but, you know, it's going to be like so many other things, it'll be part of the future, but not all of the future. And it's already there. So why are we even talking about it? What is the big story in e-commerce? What's coming up? Well, just put on your, you know, future vision goggles, Anastasia. If you have to bet on some trend or some unexplored uh, niche in the market, what would you say? And I know this is, we didn't prepare for this. You don't have an answer <laughs> written down. This is totally on the spot. So go. <laughs> Well, I have already spoken about the Jamstick um, commerce, which I think separates even more things apart and gives developer like the constructor experience of using different models and uh, talking about the CMSs themselves. I think uh, this is something uh, one of our co-founders recently spoke about, about atomic content, uh, being able to really combine small parts however you want it uh, and being able to build things on the fly. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's hard to make predictions like this, serving content to flying cars and uh, uh, 
and then for refrigerators, <laughs> this is already possible with uh, with headless e-commerce. Yeah. Nice. I like I liked the flying cars part. You had me at flying cars. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> right. How about you, Ryan? Where, where do you see the future going? Are there un, unexplored, undiscovered, undeveloped markets that we should all be looking at? Um, all right. There, there, there's there's the obvious trend, right, which is B2B commerce catching up with B2C. So both B2C customer experiences and administrator experiences coming around to catch up to What's what's happening in direct consumer and, and other B two C stores? Um, you know, I was, I was just on the phone this morning with a company that owns around eight or a dozen or so different outdoor brands, and we're only engaged with them to help them improve their B two C customer experience. But while I'm talking to them, they say, "Oh, we were talking about payment options, and we were talking about Braintree, which is one of our our payment partners. We love them and, and love getting kind of an all in one solution from them, especially for Apple Pay." via the um the the mobile um what mobile safari sdk so so in, in browser apple pay sport not everybody does that um, but wh while we're talking to them my ears perked up when he said oh you know what braintree I, I, we know about them because our, our erp gives us a b2b purchasing platform that that already uses a braintree account or whatever and it's like wait a minute like like how we're having a conversation about the future of your commerce strategy and their existing digital agency hadn't even brought up, do you do anything for B2B? And that's interesting, right? Like there, there's an opportunity. Um, and it's it's really like in, in various other areas that we, we have, um, you know, half of our customers doing at least some combination of B2C and B2B, but some that are just exclusively B2B. Um, and, you know, the, the, the advantage of going headless with your commerce backend or your content backend is that we don't have to require them to replatform their sites, right? Like, like they might just have an old portal and they don't they, like to replatform that portal to move from Expression Engine to Drupal or to a, a React Native app. You know, like, like that that may be off the table, but if they can just drop in an e-commerce platform that's fast and functional and does what they need, and then gives them an attractive checkout flow because we embed the iframe and the, whatever they got, like. It's it's interesting for them, and it's starting to starting to expand their their understanding of well, what can I do with e-commerce if I can just embed it into what I've already got going on, and hopefully eventually they'll they'll get off the legacy platforms as well. Um, but but for me, I think like uh, like like if I could pick a trend, a future trend, um, it's it's privacy, um, and and how does headless tie into privacy? I like. I feel like like the advantage of monolithic full stack applications in the past has been you you just know everything about what's happening on your site, right? Like like I I got my server logs. I can I can audit my server logs down to the IP address detail. I, I can I can build this cool, awesome, huge profile. I I can add what's what's the one? Hotjar? Is that what lets you spy on people while they're navigating your website? Um yeah, like there's all kinds of spyware that you can put on websites right now, right? To, to to see exactly what um what people are doing i mean like and thinking about you can you can engage right? it's, and it's stuff that like it's innocuous when it's presented as improve the customer experience but it is spying right like like it actually is spy it's, it's like the li literal definition of spy where you're able to see exactly what somebody's hovering over or entering in a search box while they're doing it and and i think that 
especially with the way that the big platforms are going, with the way that deplatforming happens, um, with the way that governments restrict your ability to purchase things like cannabis-derived products online, like like privacy and the ability to just like like protect your own software freedoms and your consumer privacy rights. Like like I think that that's that's always going to be a concern, and so that that's where like our, our forays into the healthcare sector, I think makes sense, right? Like you just don't think about healthcare doing a lot of direct consumer e-commerce, but maybe the reason they haven't really prioritized it is because they can't ensure their consumers' privacy rights on any of the existing platforms. I've talked with people that can't use Salesforce Commerce Cloud or Shopify because of their requirements around PII and HIPAA. Um, and so I, like, I think, you know, the advantage of a platform that says, look, we're a commerce engine or we're a content engine, Strappy, and you're going to consume data from us over an API. We won't know anything at all about your end user if you don't want us to know it. Like that's, that's, a, that's a competitive advantage. You know, like, like, like you can get that content, you can, you can transact and, and we don't have to know anything at all about it. We just have to facilitate money moving from point A to point B, your content moving from this data store into that client's that browser. And, and Google doesn't have to know about it. Hotjar doesn't have to look over the shoulder. I, I, th I think that's an, like, that's kind of like a perpetual trend. Maybe it's, and, and it's prioritized at different points, you know, at different times. But I think that, you know, even just look at what's happening in, in crypto. Like, I don't like, I don't talk a whole lot about crypto because I don't think it's practical for most merchants and customers. But why is it big? Privacy. Um, you know, you can't be deplatformed. You can't have your assets frozen. Oh, I guess you always can. But, uh, or you can lose your key fob and lose you your wallet. You can lose your wallet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, that's, that's why I'm long on Bitcoin. It's not because I really care about it, but I just think that people are going to continue to lose their wallets. So the supply is just going to get ever smaller. <laughs> um, but, anyways, I think that's an interesting trend and, and something that, that going headless does facilitate but maybe not something that, that people really think about first when they think about it. So I, I, I wanted to thank you both for not just coming out with NFTs as the answer, non-fungible oh tokens are what everybody <laughs> talks about now. And that would have taken us directly into the crypto sphere, which I, where I don't want to go. It's a totally different conversation. It's a legit Just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very interesting space. Um, I wanted to actually talk about the anti-privacy uh, channels, okay? Uh, there was a, 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 an acquaintance of mine uh, has just launched a, car, a company uh, that is, um, I think, I haven't had a chance to talk to her about it. I wanted her to be on the show today. Maybe she'll come on a different show. Um, but the I think the motivation was, um, how can we do what Instagram stores and Facebook stores have done for those uh, for TikTok, right? Because there's not a TikTok store and, and, and what, um, as a person who occasionally tries to sell things myself, uh, mostly like music and albums, music. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what I see out there is that the place to sell stuff now is, uh, on a social media platform where there's a taste setter that you've chosen. We call them influencers because they, you, you allow them to have influence over you by like following them and, liking their content, that you you allow them to influence your decisions on what to buy. And um, they've become like a, a focus point for product promotion and uh, all sorts of things, really. But Ryan, you should look into, you know, Centauro influencers on TikTok. I think it's really going to hit your market. Do you guys see a lot of this like influencer-led marketing uh, 
coming in through the front door when you talk to your customers? Are they concerned about that? I, uh, because we're talking about systems that go and build websites, right? You you know, Strappy and Centaro, guys build websites of various sorts. Headless is just an implementation detail. Whereas like there's, in my opinion, in observation, there's this huge still ongoing sucking sound where everything's leaving websites and all going to TikTok. Do you see that too? Well, uh, I haven't heard about such use cases yet, but uh, I agree about the general trend. It feels like everything is happening through uh, social media and TikTok. Yeah, which is where that, that reactionary play comes in even. I mean, so you can even lean into it or you can do what Signal has done. Did, did either of you see the Signal post yesterday? That was so clever, right, where they said, we're just gonna run an advertisement campaign that shows you exactly how much this platform that you're on knows about you. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I have bought stuff off of Instagram. Literally, like I, like I have a, a stupid t-shirt that I bought. So I think, oh, that's so clever. And it was just a, a surfing uh, a surfing t-shirt of, of Paul Atreides on top of a sand, you know, sandworm on, uh, on, on, on Dune. Anyways, Arrakis, there we go. Anyway, but, um, What's happening there? Um, it, it has it, our customers haven't really talked to us about it. The only thing we've had to do is help them survive the burst of traffic that comes whenever one of their influencers does promote their product. So, for example, I, I used to work with one of the big three record labels here in the U.S., and every time one of their recording artists would drop a new T-shirt in their Instagram feed, they needed to survive the the, the blast of traffic, um, which really just took a little bit of database optimization. Make sure you set your transaction isolation level, folks. If you're in Drupal here, read committed. Um, but um, but that was all about social driving traffic to the store. I, I don't have as much experience with stuff happening directly in the stream or in the feed. Um, all, all I know is my, my, my daughter says I don't keep up with tween stuff. That's all I know about TikTok. Apparently it's full of tween stuff and funny dances and I'm, I'm just out of the loop. <laughs> I admit to being the same, and I'm. Although my fun, my my son loves to chew on my iPhone. He's not yet figured out how to follow people. Yet, so he's quick, you know, ten months old, and he's you know got, you know, he can hang up on grandma really well. But he, I, I'm not looking forward to having to navigate the uh, the eighteen years out, fifteen to eighteen years out aspect of social media um and i'm being like in my 70s right like oh, son, what's, that you're, what's that you're looking at there <laughs> with your virtual reality goggles or like maybe he'll just be zoned off because he'll have that brain implant right <laughs> like the the tiktok brain implant daddy it's great you ought to try it now <laughs> no crib, crib grab it's the latest crib grab haven't you watched it yet like you can you can, you no, can no. taste what that person is tasting right now here put on this headset oh wow my god that would be Terrifying. I would do that. I would be, I would be <laughs> such an influencer on that platform. I mean, I I will eat anything. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw your uh, dare when you ate the oh the Carolina chilies. Reaper video. Yeah, yeah. Oh goodness, I will I will not virtual reality your tongue. Sorry. Oh man. <laughs> well, you can VR my tongue if you want, Rob. I. <laughs> All right, the show is getting silly. That means it's time to end. <laughs>
We're coming up to the top of the hour. Unless there are any more questions from the audience right now, I'm going to say thank you very much to my um, very uh, insightful and uh, thoughtful guests, Anastasia and Ryan. Thanks for joining today. Um, this will, you know, persist on YouTube forever and ever. And it also comes out later as a podcast on Spotify. Look for it there. And join us next week for yet another fun episode of Deploy Friday. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you.